Ready to launch a new career or not sure what to do after graduation? Rumpke is hiring for CDL driving trainees. We pay you to get your CDL license while working for us. Driver trainees receive $18 an hour, great benefits, and Rumpke will pay your CDL costs. Once you're a CDL driver, you can earn $1,000 to $1,300 a week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in your first year. Apply today and launch a lucrative career at Rumpke. Apply now at RumpkeCareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. From coast to coast and around the world, you're going online with Bill Alexander. Online with Bill Alexander is a guest-driven program where the topics are diverse and entertaining. Laugh and learn while you listen to one of the best hours of online radio around. Online with Bill Alexander. Hi, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and you're online with Bill Alexander here at italknet.com. Hope everything's going fine for you on this uh, great day. Whatever time you're listening to us, no matter what station you're listening to, we are here for you, and we're glad you're able to be a part of the program. Well, tonight is a true pleasure for me because this individual we had the opportunity to speak to last March. Hard to believe it's almost been a year, and we're talking to... Laura Voyer, who wrote the book, The Pet Sitter's Tale, that's easy for me to say, and she also has the audiobook that was released for her book, The Pet Sitter's Tale. So on the phone line right now, we have Laura. Laura, how are you doing? Hey, Bill, great to be on again, and I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. I'm so glad you were able to join us because we're in. The, this is being recorded in the winter months, and this is the time we make those connections with our animals or people just got pets for Christmas, and they're trying to figure out how to acclimate them into their lives. And I got you on the program because I wanted to let you know that in Thanksgiving, we got another puppy. Ah, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, what kind of puppy did you get? It is a uh, a Shetland um, Collie mix, and uh, she is uh, she is solid black, and she is a, uh, a beautiful little thing, and Scout now has a little sister. Unfortunately, a little bit bittersweet, because before that, when we talked, as I when we got Scout, he was just a puppy when I talked to you last time, uh, the older dog that we had by the name of Jack, passed away in September and Scout was beside himself because he didn't know what to do without that connection. And we Oh, that's so sad, isn't it? Oh, that is so sad. And we decided that Scout needed a little brother, a little sister, and we found one at a a local shelter and uh, we adopted her and she fit in beautifully. So, but... Oh, uh, I'm so glad to hear that story and I'm so glad... You said you adopted her because you know, and I know, so many dogs languishing in shelters and, uh, you know, just waiting for homes and someone to love them. And lots of times that never happens. So you did a really good thing for your family and for your other dog, too, definitely. And unfortunately, it's a little bit bittersweet because I have one right now who's a Pomeranian Chihuahua mix who's who is 15 years old who doesn't like look like she's going to make it through the week. She's having a lot of problems. Oh, and we're gosh, going, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. And we're going mm. to the vet. Well, she's been a wonderful dog, and she has basically dementia. And I've never seen mm. a dog deal with that before because she just randomly roams around a room and she doesn't know where to stop and it's better different times of day and it's worse different times of the day but uh but we're dealing with that so we've gone through every gamut of pet emotions you possibly can in the last six months and all the stages too i mean because that's that's a pretty big continuum like you have a puppy and your potty training and you've got a new dog in the house and that's a whole new ball of wax and then at the other end you're at you know the end of life for a senior and considering those you know tough decisions so i really feel for you and you, you really do have your your plate full so when when i was going through this and i contacted you a couple of weeks back about having you on the program i was thinking about um, some of the stuff that we talked about in the in the in the book when we had you on last March, and one of the thing I was kind of curious about is when you were walking dogs, and you dealt with with death and loss. How did you deal with it as a a person that would see this dog once or twice a week? Um, and how did you, did you, were you able to help the owner get through that loss? Well, 
Oh, great question. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, so many times I was able to suggest to owners, I have this really good memory of a client I had, her name was Roseanne, and she was so scared, you know, to give like that, that final shot to her dog because she said, oh God, Laura, you know, my dog, she just hates going in the car. It terrifies her. And I just know that I won't get her to calm down so she can get that shot. And I just feel awful. What can I do? And I said, well, actually know a vet who comes to your home and they give, you know, that final shot on the couch or in their bed or surrounded by the things and the people that they love. And it's so important. And she was able to connect with that mobile vet. And she called me up and said, oh, my gosh, that was just such a great, fantastic referral because it really made Lily, that was her dog, her just final minutes were not in sheer terror and fear um, from riding to the vet or being in the car. So I do counsel my clients a lot, and I'm with them when, you know, that moment comes because I like to think that I'm just as much the dog's life as they are, at least in those times that I'm with them or staying over with them. So whenever I can be involved or just hold their hands throughout the process, always try and be there. You know, it's always really sad. You know, you show up on Monday morning for work and, you know, one of the dogs is gone and right. the will say, oh, yeah, well, this weekend, you know, something happened. And, you know, it's, it's just really sad. So, yeah, you know, it, it touches us, the people in the pet sitting and dog walking industry. You know, it, it does touch us. And we think about our clients when we're not with them and, and we carry their memories throughout our lives. And, and the other thing is, too, is when you have this pet, especially like the one that we Jack we had for 16 years and now Mary, who's who's going to be leaving us soon at 15 years. How do you tell young children? Because my daughter, who is 12 years old, she's always known a house with one or two of those dogs in it. And how do you explain that to a child that this is a natural part of life? Now, she's 12. She understands it. But say a six, seven or eight year old. Oh, gosh. It's hard. You know, my son is 12 as well, and my dog is a senior Dexter. And, you know, he's already saying, what's going to happen? And, you know, will we get another dog? <laughs> he's already moved on, I think. Um, I think with young children, you know, you can only tell them what they can process. Okay. So it has to be, you know, went to heaven, is happy, barking and playing there. And, you know, as long as you keep them in your heart, they'll be alive forever. That's how I would, you know, approach it. It is hard with younger kids, but I do know from talking to various counselors at school and people who work with, with families and children, it's just really don't tell them more than that they can process. You know, went to heaven or over the Rainbow Bridge or if you have some other people that are pets that have passed, you know, joining them now, I would just make it as just, you know, as simple as possible, and just be there for the tears and be there for the emotions because, it's, it, you know, grief is very real. It's very real for kids, and it's, it's very real for pets and people, and, you know, it's, it's this natural part of life. So we just have to really hold their hands through it and just be there for them. What's interesting is that, and, and, and for, the, for the humans, it is a loss. But when we lost Jack this past fall, we didn't realize the bond and attachment that, that, uh, Scout, the puppy at the time, had with Jack. And when Jack was gone, Scout was literally roaming around the house trying to find him because he didn't understand that it was gone, that he, that, that the guy that he grew up with, he, I mean, it's all he knew for the first nine or ten months of his life was this other dog, and all of a sudden he was gone and didn't know how to process that. And then we brought the, the puppy in, which his name is Shadow, because he is, she is Scout Shadow, follows him everywhere. Um, and she's also solid black. But that bond grew strong and grew connected. But, of course, Mary, who is much, much older, they never bonded the way they did with the other one. So I never realized what, what emotional t uh, toll that it takes on the animal itself that may be in the house when another one passes away. Absolutely. You know, we don't speak dog. And as much as we like to think that our dogs understand us and that we understand them, the truth of the matter is we're not dogs, you know. So I think that when you have two dogs, three dogs, four dogs, they really do bond. They really do become a pack. And I know people who have always had four dogs and they're always at like the various stages of their lives because they don't let those three dogs 
go for too long without bringing in another puppy because that does a couple things. It takes their mind off the dog that went away. And now it sort of reinvigorates, re-energizes the the aging dog. You know, like, oh, here's a new puppy and we got to train them what to do and what do we do and learn cues and, you know, show them the pecking order. And absolutely, I I have heard stories and know of people who said, you know, I'll never get another dog after my dog goes and the one dog that's left is languishing. You know, they're not doing good, and they they follow them soon thereafter to right. to heaven because they they can't get over the grief. They just die of a broken heart. You know, think of it. They're bonded and they're pair, and they're all that each other knew. So it is sad. So you do have to consider their remaining pets and what's best for them. And most of the time, what's best for them is bringing another pup or dog into that pack. Now, the other question I have for you, because we we use this term tonight, and I've seen it recently, crossing over the Rainbow Bridge. Is that, I mean, I've I've never heard of it before until recently. Has that been something that's a euphemism for passing that's been around for a while, or is that just something new that picked up on the Internet? Oh, no, that's been around for a long time. As a matter of fact, when I got into this business almost 20 years ago, you could buy... um, a certificate online, like a memorial on the Rainbow Bridge. I don't know if that service is still available uh-huh. for people's pets in memoriam. So it's even got its own hashtag, you know. Hashtag oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so it's it's a pretty big thing. Um, people do say, oh, you know, pets um, crossed over the Rainbow Bridge. And then, you know, at the moment that, that we transition, the, the, the hope, the dream is that, you know, all our beloved pets are there waiting right. for us at the un- other end of that bridge, you know. So, yeah, that's been around a while. Uh, sorry, you you get the memo about that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing is, is that I never had to deal with it because my pets were so old that I had them for so long that I didn't realize that that term existed. Now, we'll, we'll move away from the, the negative, not the negative, but the, uh, the end of the pet's life. Um, when you start talking about introducing a new puppy into the home, one thing I was amazed with when we got ours is I didn't have to train it. The other dog did it for me. He literally house broker. I'm going, this is really (laughs) cool because he would come to me and he would start barking at me like he would have to go out, but it wasn't him that had to go out. It was her that had to go out and he would literally walk her out, show her where to go. And within five or 10 minutes, they were both back at the door waiting to come in. I'm going, this is nifty. I too bad that my kids couldn't do that with each other. It's remarkable, isn't it? It is amazing. And just the behaviors and, and, and them being able to teach us. I mean, just like you said, the pecking order and everything else, but also being able to teach them um, proper manners, when to bark, when not to bark, who they can jump on, who they can't jump on. And, and it's just very interesting to watch the learning experience between the two. And the best part of the two dogs are Scout was born. We have the date on him is August 28th. The puppy is a year later on the August 26th. So they're almost exactly a year. They're less than three days from a year apart. Wow. And so how old is the, how old is Shadow? Shadow now, we got her, she was born in August of this past year. So she's six months, five months. Oh, six months. So yeah. she was still a little itty bitty puppy yeah. when we got her. Wow. Well, the, the thing, wow. the thing is, is that when we found her, and again, I believe in going to shelters. I think that what everybody needs to do um, to save these animals that are out there, we found it on a shelter's website. My wife did. And my wife has drawn an affinity to black dogs, solid black dogs, because Scout is one, and and Scout is an Australian cattle dog. So we found this little Sheltie who is solid black, and she has one white paw, which is very interesting. And they literally look like brother and sister from the same litter, even though they're two different dogs at the stages that they're in. Well, I am much like your wife. You know, I also have an affinity for black dogs. I grew up with black labs. We had my first dog, Ginger, and then my dog, King, both purebred black labs. And I tell you, it's, I think, from childhood. Now, I don't know if your wife grew up with black dogs, but I find that people 
always gravitate towards the dogs that they had as a family when they were growing up or as kids. Now, one thing I found interesting, and this just may be in this area where I'm at. Again, I'm in western Pennsylvania. But when I when we went to the shelter, there was three dogs. There were three puppies. There was uh, uh, of, of Shadow. She had a sister and a brother, and they were both brown, more brown than they were black, and they were adopted quicker. And when we asked them why, they said because people, a lot of people don't have the attraction to black dogs. And I'm going, seriously, I find that really odd. And when we got Scout, we heard the same thing. And I was just surprised that for some reason there's some type of negative stereotype for them. Well, here's why. I have done some research about this, and I talked to people at rescue and shelters. I am so glad black that dogs. I asked you. <laughs> black dogs, they say, don't photograph as well on social media and in pictures because it's more difficult to see their eyes. <laughs> so they blend in. They're, they're, they have dark eyes, and when yes. they're black, they all they all tend to become just one big picture. They get those red eyes. So people want those dogs that are going to provide contrast for their shots. That's all. That's pretty simple. That seems simple enough to be right. They want them as a fashion accessory is what you're saying. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I can't tell you the amount of times that, you know, I've helped people get dogs or go to rescues or shelters. And, you know, they don't want the ugly one. <laughs> they want the good looking one. Well, <laughs> we, we use our dogs at our Christmas photos every year. And we learned this year how hard it is to photograph two solid black dogs. It is difficult. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but again, it's just it's just, again, really interesting. And when you're talking to people, especially with young children, how do you how do you tell them to introduce a dog to the family? Are you looking at an older dog, uh, uh, a middle? I don't want to say middle age, but but in that middle range of say three to five years, or do you want them to introduce a puppy? Oh, you know, it just really depends on the family and on the kid and what their responsibility level is going to be. I mean, if you're adopting a puppy and you have little kids and kids in diapers, you're crazy. I mean, uh-huh. let's face it, you know, I mean, I, I don't recommend it. But if you get an older dog and you have little kids, it, it could be a really good fit. You know, there's just so many variables. It just always depends on the kids. And if you want the kids to have any responsibility walking or picking up after or feeding, then obviously they have to be older. You know, you can't put that on a on a kid and then say, oh, we can't keep it because you didn't do this or this and this. You know, you have to be realistic about what they can be responsible for. Is it more difficult to housebreak an older dog than it is a younger dog? No, I don't think so at all. I don't think so at all. I think older dogs get it quicker because, you know, most older dogs that have come through shelters or rescues, at one point, it seems, they've been in a home, and, okay. and they they just came potty trained, you know? I mean, a lot of street dogs don't make it to middle age if they're just been on the street. At least not here. It's sort of an anomaly to make it to middle age, and I think once you get a middle-aged dog home, they're going to they're gonna fly straight pretty quick. Yeah. Just, just figure well, it out fast. I think puppies are more difficult to train because they have smaller bladders and they yes. have those baby brains, you know? <laughs> yes. they got to learn how to learn. <laughs> well, the, other, the reason I ask that is, and, and where I'm at, again, I'm in southwestern PA, south of Pittsburgh, and it seems that a lot of dogs that people have here, they and, and again, this is just a bad stereotype, is that a lot of the dogs they keep outside. They keep they they have access to the house, but they keep outside more than not. So the dogs are more familiar with being outside than they are inside. And it seems to be that those are the ones that are going to the shelters because they either can't take of them anymore or the local law enforcement has taken them away. And that's why I was just wondering if those are more difficult to teach. But from what I'm hearing, the, the, the old cliche, you can't teach an old dog new tricks really doesn't work in this case. Not when it comes to, you know, going to the bathroom and making it work for, for people that might give you a warm house. And, boy, I, I do feel bad for those outdoor dogs. I hope that they have shelter and a place to come inside when the temperatures really drop. You know, I often think about them, and we always see those warnings, you know, bring your pets right. in. People, come on, do the humane thing. I mean, my goodness, you hardly see that out here in Los Angeles, at least the area that I'm in. 
where people leave their dogs out 24-7 because we, we've got a real coyote problem out here. So um, unless you don't mind your dog going missing and perhaps never seeing it again, it's a good idea to bring your pets in, especially here where I am in, you know, the, near the Santa Monica Mountains. So as we talked earlier on the program in March, you are you still walking dogs or do you have people that are doing it for you now? Oh, I have a great team in place, and right now I'm not doing any of the walking, but I do do the boarding, so I do boarding okay. in my home here, and so I, I board a lot of dogs myself. How many are you boarding at the present time? Oh, my goodness, none, thank goodness. The holidays <laughs> have come and gone, and the last one just got picked up. We had uh, uh, several here over the holidays, all overlapping each other, and we have a saying, you know, in the pet-sitting business, we, we like to see them come, and we love to see them go. Um, you know, it gets it gets trying at times. You've got a lot of different dogs, and, and like I've been doing it long enough where all of the groups that I take, they all know each other, so okay. it's kind of like camp. But, you know, they're missing home, and they don't know where to go or what to do if they need to go to the bathroom, and Dexter's getting grouchy, and, you know, there's always a lot of accidents and a lot of, you know, a lot of a lot of goofing off. Nobody knows the limitations of goofing off and what to do and what not to do. And, you know, so um, it's fun, but it, it's, it's good when it comes to an end, especially over the holidays. There's a lot going on. And, you know, I don't have like a commercial facility. I have, oh, now you heard Dexter has to squeak something since I'm on the phone. Of course. Um, you know, so, yeah, he's like, oh, bad behavior. I'll show you. <laughs> So yeah, that's how it is all the time. You know, they just they don't they don't they don't know, and then by the time they're getting it, it's time to go home. Right. <laughs> because with ours, we went away before Christmas, right after Thanksgiving, and we had to kennel both dogs. Um, and what was interesting about it, they the person we dealt with, I asked them. I said, "Can they sleep in the kennel together?" And of course, there was no problems. She said she could never separate them because they were in tow constantly dog one dog two because and that was great because it developed that bonding even more because we had her for such a short time before we left for vacation it just strengthened that bond even more so it 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 worked out it worked out really well for us not that it was intentional but it worked out really well um we i had to take her to the vet last week shadow to the vet last week because she had to have her second lime booster shot because um, we're having an issue with Lyme disease out here. And um, whenever we left the yard, Scott was outside at the time. And you could hear him whimpering as we left the yard with her. Oh. And he wasn't going with her. And he couldn't figure out what was going on. Now, of course, when he came oh. back, she walked in the yard and he was all over. He jumped on her and <laughs> they were wrestling and playing. But again, there's that bond between the two animals, which is fantastic. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And oh my gosh, that's why it's so just crushing at the end when the one dog leaves for mm-hmm. the last time and the other dog yeah. is just, you know, heartbroken. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's a tough one. Well, boy, I am so glad to hear that you extended your family by one rescue dog. Yeah. That is a wonderful news. Now, the other thing for my audience, so you know this, the, the I'm te- te- uh, speaking to Laura uh, Voyer. And Laura wrote a book called The Pet Sitter's Tale, and I still have one copy of it that I'm going to give away. So if you email me at BillAlexander.net, again, that's BillAlexander.net, and tell me, I want the book, I will send you a copy of the book because Laura was nice enough to give me a few copies last spring, and I keep everything, and I'm so glad that I uh, still have that that I can share with the audience. Now, one thing I want to talk to you about, and I, I, I think of it because I see the picture of uh, the individual walking the dog on a leash. How do you teach a puppy to walk on a leash? My puppy thinks she's oh. a kangaroo <laughs> when you put her on a leash. Literally, she jumps up and she she bounces. She doesn't walk. It's tough. So it takes patience and persistence just like anything else. I'll, I'll give you just a real quick trainer's tip. So she has to get used to that leash. And the best thing you can do is, Fill your pockets with treats. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the treats that she loves. Not, and she's food motivated even better, but, you know, I'm talking chicken or hot dogs or greasy cold cuts, you know, whatever, whatever she loves. 
And so you're going to put her on that leash. And when you walk, if she does good, you can give her a treat. And when she pulls, you're going to stop. So it's like the green light, yellow light, red light. So green, she's doing great. She gets the treats. That's great. Come along, come along. Lots of praise. But when pulling or jumping around like a kangaroo, that's a stop. And then you stop. And so that's as simple as it is. And if you have to do that, you know, until she gets it, that's what you have to do. And that's what trainers do. They just you know, reward with treats and praise. So, oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you can also take your other dog for a walk and let her see, like, this is how you do it. You know, it's hard to walk two dogs sometimes when one of them is not a very good walker, but it can be done. So if you can get that other dog to sort of put her in line, that's going to help you a lot. Yeah, when when we go walking, it's usually my daughter then and I, and, of course, my daughter feels the need that she needs to take the puppy because the puppy is cute and I take the older dog and I try to convince her, no, you need to take scout because he knows how to walk. Let me deal with the puppy because I need to show her how to walk. And it's, it's a, a situation there where it's trying to get the patience to do it because of course she's only 12 years old and she, if he does, if they don't get it immediately, she's done. I know. I got a 12 year old too, boy. <laughs> they have very short tempers yeah. and really short patient spans. I mean, seriously, seriously. Uh, I know my, my dog is, he is old and he walks very slow. And I'll tell my son, can you walk Dexter for me, please? I need to do something or get dinner started. He'll go, oh, do I have to? He's so slow. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, he's Oh, take your time with them. Yeah. It's just being able to teach them the the whole thing. But again, it's a great skill for not only the the dog to learn, but also for the child to learn because it teaches them patience, patience and understanding and being able to uh, being able to do that, which is uh, very impressive. So last time you and I were talking, you were talking about developing this book into possibly a movie. Any word on that? Well, it's not going to be a movie, but fingers crossed it'll be a, a television series. Really? <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. You know, I, I went back to school and I took a class, a, a, a film writing class about how to write a pitch. And at the end of the class, which just ended um, December 13th, we were able to actually do a, a pitch to a, a low-level executive, but an executive nevertheless. And I got some notes and some feedback and very good feedback. Loved the story. Loved that it was fresh and had dogs. Um, and now I'm actually right before I got on the phone with you was working on incorporating her notes into the pitch and then just going out to pitch it. You know, I don't think there's, there's any reason it has to be a one and done sort of, you know, major motion picture. I think it would be very fun as a series. And I've got some good arcs and angles and in good characters so um that's where it's at right now so fingers crossed that's my that's my determination for 2020 well that's really impressive because i know in the past we talked about the celebrities whose dogs that you've walked and um that again as i said to me it'd be hilarious just to do an episode with paula poundstone which would be fantastic i love paula she is so funny she is so funny yeah you know I, I i wrote that into the pitch you know why not i mean she could probably use the work i mean i mean why would you turn it down right well she has this this podcast now that no one listens to that has become an overnight sensation that took her over a year to get off the ground so hey why not it's great advertising for her too um are you looking this at one of the one of the streaming services or are you looking at um Old-fashioned TV. Broadcast TV. Yeah. Old-fashioned TV. You know, that's interesting. I, you know, I'm not really sort of um, tied to it, finding a specific home anywhere. I mean, Amazon or or even YouTube. Uh, the, the executive I pitched to said, it sounds really great for broadcast network TV. Okay. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I always thought I'd see it on Hulu or Amazon or one of the streaming services. But, you know, I... I don't care one way or the next, you know. I just like the idea of seeing it on the small screen and people being able to stream it. 
I just read an article in, in, in the New Yorker or the New York Times that, you know, there's like over 450 scripted shows out there right now, not even including kids' shows. Yeah. Um, it's so much television, you know, you, 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 what's one more show? Um, so I'm pretty excited about it. I'm working a lot on creating these characters who are rich and have great arcs and, you know, just learned a lot in the writing class about, you know, characters sort of in informing action and and um, just really trying to make it so that somebody can't say no and make it interesting. And of course, have the dogs. You know, somebody said to me, well, how hard is it going to be to put the dogs in there? And I said, well, you know, I don't think it'll be too difficult. You can kind of cheat the dogs like you cheat sort of kids and babies and show them getting in and out of cars or right. going in and out of the house. You know, it doesn't have to be like this crazy talking dog cartoon dogs where they're all, <laughs> you know, doing, you know, incredible things. But you can just have regular dogs. And I think the great idea that I have for the show is is the, the main character will be talking to the dogs a lot. And through her conversations with the dogs, it will reveal her hopes and dreams and desires and her memories. And, um, you know, they say dogs make the best therapist. So it'll, it'll, it'll just be a really good way for people to see, you know, what, what her sort of storyline is, how she talks to the dogs. Well, Laura, we got to step away for a brief moment, and then we'll come back with more conversation. Uh, you're online with Bill Alexander here at iTalknet. We're talking to uh, Laura Voyer, who wrote the book The Pet Sitter's, uh, Pet Sitter's Tale, and we're talking about her possible TV promotion. Hopefully that gets off the ground. We'll be back in just a moment here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. Ready to launch a new career or not sure what to do after graduation? Rumkey is hiring for CDL driving trainees. We pay you to get your CDL license while working for us. Driver trainees receive $18 an hour, great benefits, and Rumkey will pay your CDL costs. Once you're a CDL driver, you can earn $1,000 to $1,300 a week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in your first year. Apply today and launch a lucrative career at Rumkey. Apply now at RumkeyCareers.com. Equal opportunity employer. Restrictions apply. Hi, welcome back to Online with Bill Alexander. With yours truly, Bill Alexander, here at italknet.com. On the phone right now, we have uh, Laura Voyer from The Pet Sitter's Tale. Now, Laura, you were talking about the types of dogs that you're going to use in the program, and they'll just be everyday dogs, correct? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I already, actually, I already cast all the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's good if you can cast the dogs before you cast the people. I have all my friends who are like, oh, can my dog be in? Uh -huh. Oh, can my dog be in? Oh, can I? Say, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Does your dog have an agent? <laughs> uh, what, I, what I think is really interesting, and again, going back to my wife and I, that uh, you can tell we did a lot over New Year's, is we sat and watched one of the animal pro networks on cable, and we watched a veterinarian program for hours because we're so fascinated with what they were doing with the animals and the interaction with the animals and treating the animals and so on and so forth, that I think your idea would actually take off very well. Absolutely. I think so, too. Um, I mean, people like animals. I mean, I, I, it's rare that you meet someone and say, oh, I don't like animals, I don't like dogs, I don't like anything. But, you know, I think people people do like pets. And, you know, it's a, it's a sort of a universal desire, this, this need and feeling we have for taking care of something other than ourselves. You know, it really connects us to um, more than just the humans, um, our, our furry and feathered counterparts. And I, I think it is interesting, and I don't think I'm in the minority when I say this, there's not too many shows like it out there. I, it, there's not. Actually, I haven't seen anything. Now, what would the program be uh, focused on? The stories from your book, would you incorporate those? Would it be uh, a how-to to, to teach people how to actually train a dog? I mean, what would be the focus of the, of the TV program? 
sir. I'm happy to tell you. I've just been writing it right now. So the pet sitter's tale would be the source material. It would be um, a girl comes to Hollywood with dreams of becoming a big makeup artist, much like myself. Okay. A chance meeting, a chance meeting with a celebrity sort of catapults her into the world of dog walking and pet sitting, and. Due to that business really taking off, she needs to hire um, a a crew, a a team, if you will, of other dog walkers. So the story will revolve around her clients, the dogs, her clients, the people, and her sort of challenges and relationships with the dog walkers and the clients and then you know, all the scenarios that happen between taking care of the clients and trying to keep up with these dog walkers who sometimes, you know, screw up hilariously. So it'll be all about that, all shot in L.A., and you'll have, like, all the interactions between her, the dog walkers, the dogs, but sort of like, if you will, the water cooler in every in every episode would be that scene at the dog park where you'll see her talking to all the different pet parents and meeting all the different dogs. And that's going to be like a microcosm of the whole show okay. is that interaction that you'll see at the dog park. Okay. That's very interesting. Uh, so in a lot of ways, the central character is going to be a motivating factor, but the episode is going to take twists and turns depending on the dogs that are on. Absolutely, yes. So the main characters are going to be the dog walkers and, of course, the, the, the woman who owns the business. I, I named her Lucy. But there'll be one character, and I call him the super agent, who has a dog that he tells Lucy, um, you have to guard my dog, his dog's name is Ethel, with your life. And so she is sort of given this opportunity, but also this really big responsibility to be sort of the super agent's right-hand person by taking care of his beloved pet and, like, all the things that happen with the pet. You know, she actually will lose the pet at one point accidentally, will jump out of her car, (laughs) and she'll have to chase down the dog. You know, and all these things will happen. This didn't really happen, did it? Oh, my gosh, no. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? It's going to be good for television. Yes. (laughs) Um, It'll be good for television. So you're, you're pitching this right now. You have some interest, um, some low-level interest, we'll say, but you're looking at yeah. hopefully hearing something. We'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed that 2020 is the year that someone actually picks it up and wants to produce it for you. Um, now, I'm so excited, yes. The the other thing I'm looking at right now is that you have a blog on your website, The Pet Sitter's Tale. And there's something that jumped out at me because there's a big fascination now with CBD oil. And I never thought about using it for pets. Can you use CBD oil for pets? Absolutely. So I did a little bit of research for this. So CBD without THC will not get your dogs, you know, loopy or high or stoned or anything like that. But it will actually decrease their anxiety, help with aches and pains, um, just has so many really good um, stuff in it that is is really effective in treating a lot of ailments, especially older pets have. I give CBD oil to Dexter, um, three tiny little drops AM and PM, and he's he's having a great old time even in his sort of golden years. Um, So I have seen it help. I, I have a client who... Uh, cat had uh, cancer and wasn't eating and a little bit of CBD oil and it, it got her appetite going again. So yeah, definitely do what's right for your pet and talk to your vet, but they're showing remarkable results with um, giving CBD oil to pets. So what does the CBD oil actually do? Well, it can do a couple different things. It, it helps anxiety. I know for Dexter, it definitely helps anxiety. It helps with aches and pains, you know, okay. so it takes the edge off the aches and pains. And also, you know, it can boost their appetite a little bit. So it's more anti-anxiety, anti-nausea, you know, it just sort of like helps them all all over feel better. Um, my vet actually recommended it for Dexter. Oh, and um, I got him, yeah, I got something for him just really off of Amazon. 
and um, it's really good. You know, it's, you can buy the treats too. So they have CBD calming treats. You know, they have CBD treats that help with training. Supposedly, if you have a highly anxious or um, just a really sort of kind of crazy high energy dog, you can give them the CBD treats, uh, kind of calm them down. Um, and you know, they're really effective. So they can treat a bunch of different sort of um, things that you might want to help your your pet with. So I, I, I also see in the site, I guess you guys, your family's moving to Atlanta, or you have? We had already gone. Yeah, we went. We went, um, let's see, was it last year? Yeah, we went down to Georgia for um, a couple months. My husband was working on a film. Okay. And we took Dexter with us. I was able to make him my emotional support That's dog. That's what I wanted to and ask you about. He went down there with us. Yeah, he went down there with us. Um, and that was really great because if I hadn't been able to you know, make him my emotional support dog. I I don't think I could have put him, you know, in, you know, sort of with the, the luggage on the plane. And I was just beside myself trying to figure out how to get him to Georgia. So how did you make him your emotional support animal? What did you have to do? You know, it was, it was a long process, but easier than I thought. And not very expensive, thankfully. Um, I went to my vet first. I went to my vet and said, I I really want to make Dexter my emotional support animal. And she said, okay, well, figure out what the airline needs to do that. So let's reverse engineer it. So the first thing, went to the vet. The vet said, ask the airline. You know, I, I, I only know what I know to be like going into restaurants and wearing the the bib and, and, and having that, that vest on. So there's different levels of support animals. You know, you've got like a support animal for the hearing impaired or for a blind person. And then you have just somebody who, you know, has, the, I don't want to minimize it, but, you know, just a little uh, a social awkwardness or right. anxiety. And then that's a support animal too. So there's different levels. So I went to the airline, which we were flying with Delta. And I said, Hey, you know, my dog is very elderly. He's, he's trained. Um, he's not aggressive. Um, how do I make him so that he can fly with me up in the seat? And they're like, okay, so he yeah, an emotional support dog. And I said, yes, like that. <laughs> so, um, there's just a couple forms. One, the vet has to sign off on and say, you know, this animal is going to be good for you. Um, because they're well-trained and they can answer your basic commands. And then a regular MD has to sign off and say that you kind of, you'll do better with the dog. It's as simple as that. You know, no diagnosis is really needed. Just that you're, you're scared to fly or you have anxiety flying. So, and then the third thing is a trainer. So a trainer comes along and assesses your dog and just determines like your dog is not aggressive. Your dog can be around new strangers, new people, and won't be, you know, attacking or being aggressive with them. And so just, Get those three forms, get them into the, get them into the, the, you know, the, the airline and have them acknowledge that they received them. This is a very important step that you can't miss <laughs> because if you show up and they never said, oh, wait, we didn't get those forms, then you're going to be you know, right. out of luck. So you get, get them to acknowledge that. And then I had like a tiny little interview with the airline where, you know, we talked about Dexter and has he ever flown before, which he had not. And, like, what was I going to do if he needed to use the bathroom on the plane? Um, You know, so all these sort of things to think about. And then he was fine. Oh, the last little bit is my vet did give me something for him to take, which was going to make him sleep throughout the flight, which was very helpful. Okay. Because I've seen sites on the Internet where you can actually send them a check they will give you the authorization for him, and all of a sudden, your dog becomes an emotional support animal. Right. I've seen, I saw those, too. I saw that, too. And, I question, I, thought, and well, I, I question that because I'm going, how does that become official? What you did, you jumped through all the hoops and did it the right way. I'm sure there's people that don't, and they just get the vest and they just take the dog out because it just amazes me that in the last few years, I've seen so many emotional support dogs in the public. Right. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Well, this is the thing. There's really no 
standardization of emotional support dog. And so there was an opportunity for those websites, what wasn't there, to say like, oh, here's the paperwork and buy your vest right here. Um, but it doesn't mean anything, right? right? So you're right. It's just a way of somebody to say, oh, let's make some money off of this. Um, we get that. Um, but no, I, but if you want to take them on a plane, you really, you have to. Because I saw a lady at the counter in front of us and she's like, that's an emotional support dog. And they're like, well, where's your paperwork? And, you yeah. know, did you get the, the note from the vet? And did you get the note from the trainer? And if, if you don't do that, unless, you know, your dog is very tiny, can fit into their handbag or something, you really need to get the documentation right. because... You know, you don't want an elder dog stuck in steerage, and, you know, you don't know if they're going to make it. You know, especially it's cold and it's, you know, not temperature controlled, and it's terrifying down there. Can you imagine? Oh, I can't imagine. I, I mean, I would just go crazy. I was at, I was out over the weekend, and I actually saw a store that had a window sticker, and, and you had to look for it. It says, we welcome all animals if they're controllable and trained. And I'm thinking, Interesting. Didn't say anything about emotional support. Didn't say about anything. So it meant that as long as I had control of my animal, I could take them with me shopping. And it wasn't a pet food store. That's what I thought was interesting. Huh. That is interesting. And you know what? Controllable and trained is it's a very subjective, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> because what I think is interesting is, and again, I'm, I'm in my mid, I hate to say this, in my mid-50s or close to be, and... When I was younger, I don't remember this this um, this outward affection towards dogs or to cats or to animals per se. But in the last ten or fifteen years, how it's become such a big market and and the demographic for for goods and services that everybody has invested all this time and money into their animals, which I think is fantastic. And now all of a sudden there are people realizing that if we let you bring your animal in with you, you may actually come in and spend money with us. And I don't know if that's becoming a marketing tool right now or that's just the way society is changing. Well, I think both. I mean, I think you see a lot of retail dying out. I mean, let's face it, the Internet is taking right. over. You walk. I was at the mall over the weekend and I can't believe the, the amount of empty storefronts um, that there were. So I think part of it is the need to get, you know, feet in the store and people in there. And the the other part of it, like you mentioned, is there has just an explosion in the popularity of pets in, even in the last decade. It's like never been seen before. People are deciding, you know, especially millennials, not have kids, smaller families, uh, you know, staying, getting schooling longer, not getting married. Um, you know, our pets are our best friends. They are feeling a need that we have to have family, to have unconditional right. love, to have someone to come home to. So I think a lot of that is going on, you know, and I think it's great. You know, I, I, I love being able to, now Dexter's not very social. He, he, you know, even if I could take him in and out of every store, He's not predictable, I would say. And plus, he's older now. He's a little grouchy. Um, but if I had a young dog that was well-trained and, and, you know, receptive to being out in public and could act, you know, in sort of a predictable manner, definitely I'd go out shopping with my dog. I mean, what could be better? That sounds like fun. Yeah, well, I don't. I, honestly, certain days sound like fun. Other days sound like work to me. But uh, <laughs> the one thing I think is really interesting because I swore that I, I I don't think I would have ever done this, but I have a box coming to my house every month with dog treats in it. I never thought I would be one of these people that subscribe online for different dog treats to come to my house every month for my two dogs. It, it's just amazing to me. And your dogs love you for it, don't they? <laughs> I don't know if they do or not. Actually, my niece got me stuck on it because she spoils her dog crazy. And she said, you need to try this. And I said, okay, we'll try it. We did. And then, yeah. <laughs> but um, There's so many out there, too. Yeah. I mean, I have uh, my clients who get, like, the Bark Box or the Bully yeah. Box or whatever it is. And they're like, oh, my gosh. And you could choose what you get for your dog. It's exciting. My goodness. I think it's great. Well, and you know what? I order my dog's dog food from Chewy. He recognizes that chewy box. And our our dog, Scout, recognizes the bark box, which is hilarious to watch because she'll come in and my wife will, of course, get him in the room and start talking to him about it and everything else. And she'll open it up and he'll just sit there and wait. And then she'll put he'll put the box down on the floor 
open it, and then he does. He goes in, grabs the first toy, and he takes off. Um, Battery <laughs> grabs the piece of paper out of the box and destroys that first. Depends. He loves the crinkling sound. But again, it's just interesting to me that how society has changed. That animals, these especially dogs, have become so much part of the life. And I think you're right. I think it's because of the millennials and their priorities are changing and they're they're focusing more on this, which I think is amazing. Yes, I do too. And, and really, I'm happy about it. <laughs> now, the one other thing, and it's hard to believe we've been talking for almost an hour now. Um, I have a situation with the puppy and I know Dexter does not like to ride in the car. Okay. My puppy, the older dog scout, loves it. He thinks it's great. He wants to get in the car every time I go anywhere. The puppy, on the other hand, a little bit leery. If I go anywhere, she usually expels something out of either end. Either she, oh, no. and it's like, <laughs> we could go 10 miles. And, and it, it's, and I don't know if it's nerves. I don't know what it is. And I don't know how to calm her. She seems perfectly happy in the car. Um, she really does, but either she will, will will throw up or she'll have a bowel movement. I can't figure out what to do. Oh, darn boy. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. You know, my vet told me this, too, for short, you know, cars, uh, trips, and where the dogs get sick, you check with your vet now, but my dog used to say you can give your dog a little bit of Benadryl for, for um, car sickness. Um, the other thing, the other end, make sure you walk them and they go, just like your kids, you know, you got to go before well, you get in the car. <laughs> you would you would assume that you walked them and you assume that they go that when they went, they were done. We went to the vet, like I said, last week, we got to the vet. She, of course, went in the car when we got there. When we were on our way home, we were no longer at the vet more than 15 minutes. And when we got into, we were at the mile of the house, she decided she had to go again. And it was more than she oh. went the first time. <laughs> and of course, my daughter's in the back seat with her, which she thought was the grossest thing in the world. And I'm driving laughing hysterically because I thought it was funny. But it, it, it I, and I understand they're puppies and they're learning how to do it and they're learning the tr whole idea. But my wife and my kids have this idea that next summer when we go on vacation, we want to take the dogs with us and we go to the beach everywhere in North Carolina. And I'm going, that's going to be one heck of a long drive. <laughs> I'm thinking, can we fly well, them down or FedEx them or something? I don't know. There is a service for that. You know, I know clients who shipped their dogs out to, they went to Martha's Vineyard and they picked them up in LA and I said, how are they getting there? I said, oh, the service is just shipping them, you know, so you can really? ship them. Really? Um, I would have but, never guessed. Yeah. I was just joking. You can ship them, but <laughs> you know, the best thing to do is probably get her trained yeah. a little at a time, short car rides, a little longer, a little longer. And you know, I think it's just a matter of getting used to what the other dogs are doing. Yeah. You don't want to be the only dog that has an accident in the car. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it, it's just, it, it was just so funny. And my daughter was embarrassed as all get out. Not to mention that when they gave her her, her shot last week, the dog was so excited because she loves the, the, the vet tech that we, we, that did the shot that she got so excited. She peed on my daughter's leg. So my daughter was batting a thousand last Thursday, oh, just to let you know. Um, but the dog is oh, cute and there's God. a reason why puppies are cute. Oh, definitely. That's so we don't give them away. <laughs> exactly. Same thing with babies. It's the same thing. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, absolutely. So, Laura, are you looking at writing another book? Sure. Eventually, I would love to. I mean, I, I was hoping to get the, the, the series made first, and then hopefully it'll drive enough interest in another book and more, more series. So, definitely, yes. Because it, it is, once again, it has been a pleasure to talk to you. I really enjoy this. Um, because not only we talk about what you've done, you also answer questions for me during the program. Because being a pet owner, I think a lot of us have these questions and have a uh, we, we need someone to sound off of so we can figure out who it is. And um, I think it's great that hey, you're willing anytime, to do that. Anytime, anytime. I love talking to you. I love to hear about all your dogs and your family and all your escapades. It, it's fun to talk to other pet owners because, you know, you really get it. You get what you're going through on all the on all the whole continuum there, you know, from puppyhood to seniorhood.
I think next time what I'm going to do is, and I'm, I'm going to invite the audience, if they have any questions for Laura next time we have her on, please send them to us. And I can actually ask the questions or we can actually open up a phone line and have people actually call in and ask questions um, that Laura can help us answer um, with our animals that we uh, that we have and that we love. And, and any questions that you may have, maybe she can help us with it. I would love that so much. I would love that. That sounds wonderful. So, Laura, I really appreciate you taking time to join us. And uh, thank you very much. Tell Dexter we said hi. And we'll talk to you next time. I look forward to it, Bill. Thank you so much. And, and continue to keep me posted on what's going on with the, with, the, with the new puppy and all the other dogs. I'd love to hear about it. I will do that. Laura, thank you very much. And you have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Laura Voyer from The Pet Sitter's Tale and hopefully a new TV series, maybe on uh, on regular television or on one of the streaming services. Looking forward to that. Hope you enjoyed the program. Love talking to her all the time because uh, I think we all have gone through those foibles of pet ownership where we're dealing with animals that they're, they're never predictable. Or at least they're not predictable all the time. And uh, it's it's very nice to be able to talk to her and be able to share that with us. Um, updates on who's coming on the program here in the next few weeks. Let me pull up my calendar and let you know what's going on. And uh, we can uh, share that with you, which is uh, nice that we've gotten these dates uh, scheduled down. That uh, coming up real soon, we have Adriana Gavasconi will be in talking about her new book. And then the following week, uh, we'll be talking with um, Anna Frank Duval, and she'll be talking about her acting career. And then we have another actress coming on, Anna Vocino, which you've recognized her. She's done uh, skits on Jimmy Kimmel, and she's done a lot of commercial work, and she was on a program called um, Free Radio on VH1, which is a, a hilarious program if you ever get a chance to watch it. And the one that I'm, I'm looking forward to, which is uh, scheduled for February, I finally got, got it scheduled. We have the time set, is Amy Hollinsworth. And uh, she's the one that wrote the uh, book dealing with uh, Fred Rogers. And it's kind of convenient that we're going to have her on the program. The reason is the DVD release of the movie is coming up. But anyhow, it's time to wrap up another program. I'm glad you were able to join us. And thank you very much for listening. Yours truly, Bill Alexander, here online with Bill Alexander at italknet.com. This has been a Million Dollar Baby production. If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything. So you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. 
Hey, Pete, how's that jingle for the 79-cent fountain sodas at Turkey Hill coming along? All done, boss. Take a listen. <clears throat> 79 cents is all you pay for Turkey Hill sodas every day. 79 cents, large, medium, small, any flavor, that's your call. All right, Pete, can you sing plus applicable tax? Come on, boss. Seriously? Yep. Lawyer said we have to. For a limited time, get a small, medium, or large fountain soda for just 79 cents at Turkey Hill. Excludes extra large and all frozen drinks. Plus applicable tax. Have you guys noticed that you can't go anywhere without seeing designer this or designer that? Even designer furniture. On my social feeds and celebrity homes, it's everywhere. Have you seen how expensive these are? Well, if you want the sofa or recliner or bed that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends, but without the designer prices. Oh, and they're well made too. It's the whole package. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. 